You've got it tuned to KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Hello, I'm Claudio Mendonça. After an update on the Alisol fire burning in Santa Barbara County, the California report heads to Isleton in the Sacramento Delta area where a fire burned more than 40 structures on Monday. Later, Felton Pruitt talks with Associate County Planner Kyle Smith about the Greater Higgins Area Plan Project. The project hopes to help guide future development and amenities in the Higgins Corner and Lake of the Pines area in the South County region. We close with a commentary by Shavati Karki Pearl. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Fanned by strong winds, the Aliso Fire has burned more than 13,000 acres in Santa Barbara County. That's prompted evacuation orders in rural areas and forced the shutdown of parts of Highway 101. KCBX's Rachel Showalter visited the emergency shelter and livestock evacuation center set up and has this report. The fire sparked Monday in the San Ynez Mountains and spread quickly due to high winds. Evacuations were ordered for the areas of Arroyo Hondo, Tejiguas, and Arroyo Quemada, as well as El Capitan State Park and the El Capitan Campground. Dos Pueblos High School in Galita was used as an emergency evacuation center for those in need of shelter. Basically what we were seeing is mainly people that were evacuating from the campgrounds and then some from the ranches. That's Jessica Hodge with the American Red Cross in Santa Barbara. The nonprofit is supporting the evacuation shelter mostly with volunteers. Hodge says the shelter is a place for evacuees to catch their breath. We will be on standby probably for as long as the fire is still active and as long as there's further evacuations. Down the road at the Earl Warren Showgrounds, the Santa Barbara Equine Assistance and Evacuation Team is helping to care for horses and other livestock who were evacuated from the fire. Tammy Thompson has been volunteering for the evac team since the 90s, helping out during emergencies. We've had peacocks, we've had goats, cows, we have Nozark. <laughs> Grace Riley slept at Earl Warren overnight after evacuating her horse Punchy. Riley just moved here from Massachusetts. This is her first fire. It was pretty immediate that we started getting the horses out of there and we started just loading them on the trailer as many as we could get on there safely. Riley says a number of locals came to help evacuate the horses. It still took hours to get them all out but she says she's grateful because things could have been worse. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Showalter in Santa Barbara County. As of this morning, the fire is about 5% contained, but a stretch of Highway 101 remains closed to traffic in the area. On Tuesday, the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors proclaimed a local emergency. And to the north, fire crews continue to monitor for hot spots after a fast-moving fire in the Sacramento-San Joaquin County Delta destroyed dozens of mobile homes. The fire broke out Monday in the town of Isleton as more than 40 mobile homes and RVs were destroyed at the Rancho Marina Mobile Home and RV Park. Rick Hale lost nearly all of his possessions in the blaze. He spoke to the Sacramento Bee. Everything happened so fast. I was barely able to get my dog out and a few things into a truck and peel away while all the houses around me were burning. My front yard was burning. I'm exhausted. I've slept up on the levee. 
About 150 residents were forced to evacuate from the fire, and as of this time, no injuries have been reported. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. The Red Cross has set up a service center for people impacted by the blaze. And this week, Los Angeles continues its push to dismantle large homeless encampments in the city and move people into temporary shelters. It's already happened in the city's Echo Park and Venice neighborhoods. Now the unhoused who are living in a section of L.A.'s MacArthur Park west of downtown will be required to move by the end of this week. The California report went to the park to talk to people affected by the order. One of them was James Sully, who's lived in the park for the last several weeks. Uh, we haven't been told a lot. I, I, I heard through the grapevine that they were going to, like, get everybody out of the park that was staying here or something, right? Including yourself? Yeah, yeah. We, we're working. They're working with us to get housing. And are you somebody who's, like, willingly ready to go, or are you pretty reluctant to make the move? No, I'm, re- I'm definitely ready to go. Yeah, I don't want to be here. Because just conditions? Yeah, I've been homeless for a long time. Yeah. L.A. resident Danielle Richardson, who's a frequent visitor to MacArthur Park, says the camps need to go. He echoes an increasing hardline attitude toward homeless encampments among some Angelinos. We have people that travels around the world that come here and they want to see, you know, it's, it's a landmark. You know, MacArthur Park, they want to see some beauty here. They want to see, you know, the, the, the scenery and they don't it shouldn't be people here camping because the thing, they're doing things here that makes it look bad. Now, some advocates for the homeless in Los Angeles have criticized the dismantlement of encampments, saying they disrupt supportive communities. They also say the city just can't guarantee providing people with long-term supportive housing, and many people will just return to the streets in new locations. And now to another kind of housing story. In the Coachella Valley, desert cities are passing laws restricting or banning short-term rentals. And as we hear from KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb, that's squeezing supply in the city of Palm Springs. Palm Springs continues to be a popular spot for short-term rentals, especially for Southern Californians. In fact, even with the pandemic, the city has seen a nearly 10% increase in listings since last year. That's according to a tally by the Palm Springs Post. Other than getting a permit from the city and paying taxes, there aren't a lot of restrictions. And currently, there are no proposals to put a cap on vacation rental licenses after voters defeated a ballot measure in 2018 that would have phased out short-term rentals. But the debate is far from over in Palm Springs. Some residents complain that the practice displaces locals, causing myriad societal problems like declining public school enrollment or disruptive vacationers. Meanwhile, in the other neighboring towns from Cathedral City to La Quinta to Palm Desert, laws have been passed to limit short-term rentals in recent years, either by location or not offering new permits. Just last month, the city of Rancho Mirage approved a full ban on short-term rental stays, which will go into effect next summer. Prior to that decision, homeowners could only rent out their places in gated communities in Rancho Mirage with HOA approval. For the California Reports, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com SFMOMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. 
Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, October 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. As reported in the Union of Grass Valley, Nevada County recorded 42 new COVID-19 cases today for a new total of 8,706 cases. 735 are active, Seven people are listed as hospitalized. Continuing with COVID news, the union also reports that some members of the public used yesterday's Board of Supervisors meeting to vent about the virus, the vaccine, and its supposed effects. One commentator alleged that there is evidence a number of people receiving the vaccine are falling ill with heart inflammation, blood clots, high blood pressure, and staph and blood infections. The CDC has stated that normal side effects include tiredness and headaches and typically dissipate in a few days. At the meeting, Dr. Patrick Wagner questioned the rationale for giving injections, claiming it's dangerous to get an injection as the public does not know enough about the drugs in the vaccines. He added that the public does not know about natural immunity. Quote, natural immunity is an alternative to the therapy suggested here, he says. Turning now to regional weather, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 42. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 70. Tomorrow's AQI, air quality index, will be 20. Good. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 21. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 54. Tomorrow's AQI will also be good at 14. And for Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 47. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 76. The AQI for the Valley tomorrow is expected to be good at 35. A red flag warning will go into effect for the Valley tomorrow due to expected gusty winds and low humidity. The Greater Higgins Area Plan is a planning effort that will provide objectives and recommendations to guide the future development in and around the Higgins Corner and Lake of the Pines area. Recently, Felton Pruitt spoke with Kyle Smith, Associate County Planner, about the plan. We're talking with Kyle Smith. He's the Associate Planner for the County of Nevada Community Development Agency. Thanks for spending some time with us, Kyle. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's talk about the Greater Higgins Area Plan now, which is, uh, well, why don't you tell people exactly what that is? Uh, Yeah, so we are kicking off a project, uh, this area plan development, uh, to help guide uh, future development and amenities in the uh, Higgins Corner, Lake of the Pines area in the South County region. The area plan uh, is a planning effort with two key goals, fundamentally, Uh, the first is to establish a comprehensive vision for the area, integrating the culture, commerce, uh, and housing opportunities, 
uh, while also supporting the unique community character in the South County area. Um, and then secondly, the area plan is to serve as this uh, blueprint for future development uh, with guidance on a no- number of topic areas, including land use, economic development, transportation, uh, recreation, as well as uh, design goals, guidelines, and standards for future development. So essentially, this is a policy document that helps guide uh, future development in the area. And there's going to be a community workshop coming up on, uh, what is it, October 21st? Yes, that's correct. There is a virtual, or our first community workshop will be held virtually on Thursday, October 21st from 6 to 7.30 p.m., We're hoping to hear from community members uh, about goals and objectives uh, of the area and um, how they how they see the community now and the vision for their community in the future. Um, So we're going to talk a lot about goals and background, what people see in their community now, and then some visioning exercises to identify uh, what people hope to see in the future. And this is going to be a Zoom community meeting. Yes, that is correct. And registration is required. However, the event is free. Um, people can go to the area plan website at greaterhigginsareaplan.com to both register for the workshop and to uh, get a whole bunch of other background and supporting information. Hey, Kyle, do you know what the general population is in that area? How many people this affects? So we don't actually know yet. Part of this uh, community workshop will uh, help us to identify the plan area boundaries. The boundaries are not identified yet. We're hoping that uh, the community can can help us uh, identify and finalize these, uh, the, the plan boundary area. Uh, but the original Higgins area plan uh, that was updated in the year 2000, that this is updating the size of that area plan geography was fairly limited to just to the, the Combi corridor. So this may be larger, but I don't have uh, population numbers quite yet just because we don't, don't know the size of the, the area plan yet. Is this just the county trying to look into the future, or is there actually some developer that wants to come in that has asked for this? Uh, no, this is just the county looking into the future. We have developed and adopted a number of area plans throughout the county. Soda Springs, Penn Valley, Loma Rica, all have area plans. Um, like I said, this Higgins area also has uh, an adopted area plan that was adopted in the year 2000, but some of the information in there may be a little bit out of date. It's uh, just about time to update this, uh, this planning document to plan for future development. Just to give people a, an idea, if you're not certain exactly where this is, if you were driving on Highway 49 from Grass Valley to Auburn and you got to Colby Road and Wolf Road there, when Colby goes off, I guess, to the left, if you were coming from Grass Valley to Auburn, that's the area we're talking about over there. That's correct. That was the focal point of the original Higgins plan, and, and I assume that that will definitely be a part of this greater Higgins area plan, but that... uh that plan boundary will likely be larger than just that Tommy uh, and 49 corner. Well, we're talking with Kyle Smith. Kyle, give folks the websites and, and a way to get in touch with more information. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The website is greaterhigginsareaplan.com. You can reach out through us via email on that website, and we also have a comment card. Uh, and also, like I said, please register for the 
October 21st public workshop, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking with everybody. All right. Well, thanks for all the information. We've been talking with Kyle Smith. He's the Associate Planner, County of Nevada Community Development Agency. Good luck moving forward. Yeah, thank you. Shivati Karki Pearl is the public sector manager for waste management and is based in Grass Valley. Coming up next, she discusses the latest recycling truth in advertising law and how to recycle right and responsibly. I'll start by sharing some facts posted by Californians Against Waste. For example, did you know that 85% of single-use plastic items do not get recycled today, even if they carry the familiar triangle symbol? In 2018, a study by CalRecycle found that plastic bags, films, and wraps, despite being only 12% of the waste stream, were the largest type of contamination in curbside recycling bins. This flexible plastic material, with limited market value, interferes with recycling facility machinery and, as a contaminant, lowers the value of recyclable paper and cardboard. Locally, many stores in Nevada County and also the food bank will accept your plastic bags and reuse or recycle them. However, it is prohibited in your home's blue recycling bin. The strain on local recycling and waste systems is compounded as most consumers do not know exactly what is and isn't recyclable. A new California law will now restrict which items can bear that mark. SB 343 aims to end consumer confusion about which material is suitable for the blue recycling bin. It helps reduce contamination of recyclable materials, lowers waste volume, and improves real recycling rates. This measure expands the existing Truth in Environmental Advertising law that prohibits the use of the word recyclable on unrecyclable products unless the material is actually recyclable in most California communities and is routinely sold to manufacturers to make new products. Through regulations, CalRecycle has until January 1, 2024 to determine which materials are truly recyclable and publish on its website a list of acceptable materials that may continue to have the chasing arrow symbol. SB 343 also includes a process for producers of materials that do not yet meet the criteria to submit a plan to CalRecycle that demonstrates a commitment to increasing the collection, sorting, and recycling of their materials. If CalRecycle approves the plan, the producer may continue to encourage customers to put their materials in the blue bins. To implement this law will be at least three more years. In the meantime, what can we as consumers do to ensure that we're recycling in a way that supports the efforts of the company hauling away all our trash and responsibly finding homes for it back into the circular economy. The good news is that Waste Management Recycling Facility is what we call a clean MRF or Material Recovery Facility. The recovery rate of recyclable materials from a clean MRF is predictably very high. As for trash producers, we first and foremost can educate ourselves on what is allowed and not allowed in our household recycling bins. 
Our sorting facility is more than capable of sorting out recyclable plastics from those which are not. However, some items are absolutely prohibited. This is because they're either hazardous to the equipment, like ropes, cords, and loose plastic bags, or they reduce the quality of items that could have found a home, like food-contaminated cardboard and plastic boxes. Go to nevadacounty.wm.com to learn about the allowable items in your bin. Secondly, we might want to evaluate our consumer habits. How conscious are we about the packaging of items we purchase? Could we buy less plastic? Could we reuse containers? Could we donate clothes, appliances, and furniture? Could we restore or mend items to make them last longer? There's a lot we could do if we put our minds and hearts into it. Finally, this brings us to Nevada County's Smart Truck Program, managed by Waste Management. The goal of the program is to encourage responsible disposal of waste and positive recycling habits. If we were a recipient of a letter that says we had contamination in our recycling bin, it will also state what that article was that went in by error. This way we know not to put that item in the bin and trash it the next time. If we feel that we were sent the letter in error, we can help the auditors improve and refine the processes by providing constructive feedback to the customer service department. At the end of the day, we're the one who have control over what, how, and how much of goods we consume and dispose of. While it may seem confusing and daunting, let's start by recycling small and recycling clean. Focus just on recycling your clean paper, cardboard, glass containers, metal cans, and rigid plastics in the recycle bin. And you cannot go wrong. Thank you for listening and recycle responsibly. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. And that concludes our newscast for tonight, Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. KVMR gets support from you, our listeners, and from the Nevada Cemetery District since 1942, a public agency offering environmentally sensitive green burial services, which reduce carbon emissions, conserves natural resources, and preserves habitat. Maintaining 27 public Nevada County cemeteries, nevadacemeterydistrict.com. And Watershed at the Owl, open Thursday through Saturday at 2 p.m. for indoor and outdoor dining, offering locally sourced seasonal menu items from salads to steaks and more. Reservations encouraged, Mill Street, Grass Valley, watershedattheowl.com. Stay tuned. Next up is The Sages Among Us. Tonight, host Brian Buckley speaks with local award-winning author and active civic leader in Camptonville, Shirley Dickard. And at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! Thanks very much for listening and for your generous support during our most recent membership drive. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a wonderful evening.